wait, you had a head shaved once a year? No, I said, my husband asks me to shave my head at least once a year. He knows you can't ask more frequently than that because that'll be a marital issue that I can document. He loves, loves, loves women with shaved heads. Shaved heads? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Is it, was it an aliens thing? Was it born of Mm. Sigourney? No, I think it was earlier than that even star trek the motion picture yeah my husband's even older than justin so I le- oh. <laughs> oh my god wow even to get it out of the way even I, older i am even apparently. older i could not move fast enough to dodge that bullet <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome to the final episode of Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal, based on characters, of course, from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am that girl you run into at the airport, but you can't remember how you know her, Kelly Sue Milano. (laughs) As always, I'm joined. I feel like that's had to happen now at least five times. At least five times. Oh my goodness, so many. Um, as always, I'm joined by my illustrious co-host. Oh my goodness. Okay, it is the moment that Sue Studio starts playing an American Psycho. Lisa K. Weber. Oh, damn. Thanks. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's her. <laughs> um, after, of course, we also have the party that happens at the neighborhood bar the night before Thanksgiving. It's Claire Thorne. Hey. <laughs> uh, I, also- I, I have done that several times in a neighborhood bar. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I am that. I've been that bartender. So yeah. <laughs> get it uh we also have uh the members only jacket with the cover of thriller airbrushed on the back it's justin peniston <laughs> you will never know how much i loved my members only jacket in the 80s you never know <laughs> wow oh my goodness is the tiger finally... part of that of the airbrushing <laughs> of course baby tiger Finally, it is our fearless producer, the amazing person who puts together this podcast, and of course, the basketball court in the church parking lot. That's uh, that's very, very appropriate. Since my dad is a pastor, that makes total sense. Oh my gosh! Okay, here having fun for the Lord is what we're doing. Oh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, Julian, I'm realizing I don't have your official bio in here. But I guess we don't need it. Nah. <laughs> nah, we know him well enough. I'm good. <laughs> we are also joined again by our darling friend, incredible fellow brain, and that amazing feeling you have when you finally download the call map. It's Julian Walker. <laughs> I, have bone, I have a bone to pick with Julian because um, I've been listening to his podcast, Conspirituality. Hey, yeah. And I have wasted so many hours, Julian, going down the rabbit holes of mm-hmm. 
following up like and and looking at all of the videos of all of the crazy people you guys are talking about and you're welcome you're welcome what's, <laughs> what's the you. bone what's Very, the bone you have to oh, yeah no it just was the hours i i <laughs> no, the there's hour, no bone it's amusing thanks for listening oh I my god i had forgotten that there were so many crazy people in the world really and and yeah, yeah. It's yeah nothing, so. more than more than not it's lovely to be here with you all i really appreciate being included Yay. fantastic and we're going to dive right in to talk about some of our favorite crazy people um <laughs> we're going to talk about the series as a whole and in this special postmortem, <laughs> um we're going to be discussing obviously as i just said the series as a whole the themes our favorite moments characters stories dead bodies and anything else that may crop up so, okay, the first question I have is based on this slice from a New Yorker review of the opening of season three that says, Bedelia doesn't hurt anyone, but she's too curious to look away. Like anyone who can't stop watching Hannibal, she's decided that what he offers is too good not to have a taste. The show is so unbelievably delicious from top to bottom. We've discussed it literally at length, um, but so much of it is hard to watch. The mm. themes, the visuals, the content is highly taboo and dark and disgusting at times, and yet we eat it up. So let's just have a big chat about why the show is so profound for us and why it becomes like, I mean, I think it's safe to say that it's become an obsession for so many of us at this point. Like for sure it lives rent-free in our brains. So let's dive into that. Julian, do you want to start since you're our special guest? Oh, thank you. Certainly. Um, you know, as I, as I reflect on that, my brain goes immediately to the aesthetic and to how saturated everything is with, with meaning and beauty and just, just layers of just, there's just such immersive intensity about it all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a choice that matches this kind of primordial, psychological, instinctive uh, content that, it's, that, that we're being invited into, right? We're being invited into this incredibly taboo layer of the psyche via a character who's crossed over into being less than human, but, mm -hmm. but as a result, perceives himself as being more than human. And there, th that is, it's so captivating and it goes so to the heart of what it is to be human, what it is to struggle with our animal nature, what it is to have lust and aggression and, and, you know, murderousness and, and desire for power um, and how, you know, we all have these things, but with Hannibal, it's all turned up. The saturation is turned up. And so too is the aesthetic of the show. And it's, it's, it's so creatively daring and so intellectually um, audacious that, uh, yeah. yeah, can't help it. <laughs> Won't help it. As like, as, as a, as a visual artist, I've always kind of like, really kind of grabbed, like, gravitated to finding like the beauty and the grotesque. Um, and I mean, it's what a lot of artists have done throughout the ages is like looking at something ugly and making something beautiful from it. Um, like really kind of getting into like the warts and everything and being like, but this is like Julian was saying, this is humanity. This is what we are. 
And um, so the fact that it is like, it's, it's always hit that sweet spot for me of like the beautiful grotesque um, because there's such a veneer of gorgeousness on it. Like the colors, the costumes, the set dressing is all just so the lighting, it's all just so gorgeous and then you get to these corpses and it's like who um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't look away because it's just as beautiful as you know anything else on the show it's delivered in just as beautiful a way and yeah I think like I think Julian really nailed it with like it 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 invite it uses this beauty to invite us to look at something about ourselves that is not beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not just about what we are, but it's about what we hide, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's about that side of ourselves that we're even afraid to face sometimes. Um, I mean, some of my early, when I started really getting into film and what film could be, like some of my early favorite directors were Igmar Bergman and Andrei Tarkovsky, like visual poets or poets of you know the soul and things like that. And, this, uh, this is that, you know, this is like poetry of like the soul in to a large degree. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. I, I know when I, when I direct people on stage or, or things like that, I always tell them like, stop acting and like bring us into the bedroom with you. Like, let us see that side of this character that you, nobody's gonna be able to see when they're outside of the bedroom interacting with everybody else. Like we wanna see what's behind that door when it's closed. And I feel like this show like does that every second it we were watching. Like obviously we see the characters hiding who, who they are as well throughout, you know, Hannibal's hiding pretty much the entire first season. But when it really gets down to it, you're really seeing behind closed doors into who these characters are and what they ultimately, when you strip away all the, like the veneer of what they think they should be. Uh, and in many cases, maybe the healthier version of themselves you know, of what they ultimately kind of maybe want to be. And it's, uh, it's so mm -hmm. easy to get caught up in that because it would be very freeing to kind of be that in some ways. Yeah. yeah. I think about that in terms of the, the character of Hannibal in the show. Um, you know, we've talked so much about the different Hannibal lectors and really, um, mostly just Mads and Anthony Hopkins. Um, and to see how they brought the character of Hannibal Lecter to a episodes long series versus the, you know, the smaller moments that we get with Hannibal Lecter in like Silence of the Lambs and the way that his character in Silence of the Lambs is so dramatic and so like heightened and has that saturated energy that wouldn't really have translated well to being in the series. It would have been way too much. And the saturation is found in all of these other ways. Um, because if I think of the tone and the, the feeling and the texture of the show, I still kind of feel that in Anthony Hopkins' performance. Mm -hmm. I'm still drawn in by who is this like, incredibly like magnetically masculine man who is also stunningly feminine terrifying and very sexy 
like what's happening to well, I also, my I like, mind and my body you- right now. And so <laughs> much of this is drawn out over the course of this series and the way that they, the way that they work with Mads and the writing and everything mm-hmm. to bring this character to life in this way. Oh, you, you weren't well, describing and- Anthony oh, Hopkins sorry. there. I was. Yeah. So yes. But anyway, I, I was just going to say like, to your point that like, it's, it is kind of amazing that we spend so much more time with the character of Hannibal throughout the course of the series. And Mm -hmm. he still remains just as mysterious. Completely. Like he still remains ultimately unknowable. Mm -hmm. Um, We're still fascinated by everything we don't know about him. Always. Yeah. Up until the very end and beyond (laughs) (laughs) it's true i think for my oh sorry justin go claire no 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 go justin clear okay um for myself although i think this is true for for a lot of people who watch the show I, i mean you know great stories really great stories they hit us on a primal elemental level they deal with things that we are all going to have to deal with and in many ways trying not to deal with love fear birth death mm-hmm. you know and i mean this show tackles in particular love and death in like very hard hitting in your face kind of ways and these are you know, uh, to, you know, to use Lisa's word, I mean, these are grotesque, ugly things in a real way. You know, death is ugly. Love is kind of ugly in its way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but so we are put in like in the mess of these things. Death is messy. Love is messy. Mm-hmm. And yet the show is so meticulous and so thoughtful and so designed and so polished and so sculpted you know and speaking again speaking for myself the things that I appreciate are things that hit me in my heart hit me where I live you know but then also make me feel a true appreciation for craft you know when I listen to music you know sure you know I like a good beat and I like to when it's fun but I also like to in my head, isolate each track and hear what each musician's doing. And I like to think about why did they say that? Why, you know, and I love that feeling of realization when I listen to a lyric and I realize, holy shit, this is what they're saying, you know? And that's what Hannibal is. Hannibal is that endless opportunity. And that's part of why it's so rewatchable because you have, there, there are lots of tracks laid down in a scene of Hannibal, you know? Like there, there is the writing, there is the performance, there's the shit on the walls, you know? Like all of that stuff plays into it. It is a meticulously crafted piece of storytelling about something primal and in your gut and in your heart. And like, it's really like, it's like a good relationship. A good relationship engages your mind, your heart, and your man-girl parts. You know what I'm saying? Your and loins. Not your loins. Excellent. The girded bits. Yes. And 
this oh my show, God, excited for where you were gonna go with that last this, one in that this show <laughs> this show really it hits you in your heart it turns on your brain yeah it and does. even uh, let me tell you i am this does not have to be an even by the way a red no, 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 I'm, I'm a red i'm a red-blooded american hairy chested football watching dude and this has a set my loins a warming do you know what I'm saying? This show has definitely, Sorry. you know, so. I'm just picturing like a buffet table and warming. Oh my God. Plates. I'm sorry. Just wow. I, um, want to I love where this is going. <laughs> Claire, Claire has managed to juxtapose my loins and a buffet. I want well, to- we've had this conversation many times, have we not? Well, yeah. But, it's, um. The show, it hits us where we live. Yeah. You know, it hits us where we live. And I think that's really why I love it so. I, love I can't it. get enough. I can only, well, not can only. Um, I have to like echo everybody's, everything that they've said. I mean, it's, that's, I think the key at the end of the day is the show brings so many different things to the viewer and it is absolutely a, a situation where you have to watch the show over and over and over again because you can you can pick one aspect that we've talked about you know the aesthetic beauty the the you know the way it reveals the human psyche blah 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 and you can rewatch the show with that in mind and come out of it with this whole other line of of thinking and um, in what it's telling you about the human condition, that sounded really grandiose. Anyway, all of that though, I, what I'll add to all of this is that in the week since we've uh, recorded and watched the last episode this time, um, you know, the gap between our actually sitting down and talking about this, I have realized how much true crime content I have been turning to, um, and, which is interesting for me because I still feel like I'm kind of in that pandemic zone of just like some content on television just seems too, like just too much. Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason, the whole true crime thing is very resonant with me. And I've, I've listened to, I've been watching television shows. I'm right in the middle of the whole John Wayne Gacy tapes thing, which is, oh my goodness. Um, amazing. Yeah. It's really well done, but good yeah. Lord. Um, and listening to podcasts and a couple of things have really been kind of sticking with me in terms of like, okay, well, Hannibal kind of fits into this, this idea of like, you're questioning yourself and especially specifically this quote that Kelly Sue started us with about, you know, knowing full well the grotesqueness and the horrific nature of the subject matter that we're watching um, and not being able to look away from it. Um, part of it, I think, is that this is how human beings bring order to their world. Because serial killers are not Hannibal by and large it, it just they are his playthings <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the, the nature of violence and uncertainty and worry and anxiety in the world is not this orderly 
uh, well, like Justin was saying, this orderly, well thought out, uh-huh. methodical, you know, we've all said that about this show. The nature of, of horrific violence and crime and evil in the world is, is not generally so uh, acknowledgeable. You know, Uh it is random and meaningless. And that's an aspect of human existence that none of us, I don't think, you know, we really get into a, ever get into a place where we're able to cope with that um, Uh fully. It's, it's, you know, and Kelly Sue's talk, or I'm sorry, Lisa was talking about how, you know, the, we're watching all of this gorgeousness and then we have these really horrific, you know, our exquisite corpse scenarios. And, you know, in this show, though, even those moments are exquisitely beautiful uh-huh. in comparison. And it's a comforting idea to think, oh, okay, well, if the absolute worst case, you know, worst thing happened to me, maybe my body would end up in a bottom of a silo in a beautiful, gorgeous, you know, mural, right? Like, like you don't want that to happen, (laughs) but the idea that your death might not be just completely pointless or overlooked or, you know what I mean? Mm. All of that stuff is just giving us that it places like a reason on life because that's, that's what we're constantly grappling, grappling with is like, what's the point of all of this? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the point of existence? And it is utter chaos. Um, and it's, I was like, I came across a Picasso quote earlier this week that I totally thought of when you were talking, um, where he says, um, art isn't truth. Art is a lie that brings people Mm. to the truth. And Mm. like, Mm -hmm. that is, exactly what this show is doing like when you're talking about how it's putting this order on things and it's putting this Mm -hmm. reason on things and life doesn't look at all like this show yeah but by looking at the order that this show has put it in you're Mm. able to kind of come to these realizations about your life and your meaning you know exactly and it's something that you know as a religious deconstructionist I am still grappling with minute by minute because I have actively taken away one very meaningful lie about my my Uh value in the world right like I have taken away that thing that is you know uh, kind of at the core, I think, of a lot of the issues we're dealing with today. There's such a huge percentage of our population who are indoctrinated to believe that they're the center of the universe. You know, uh-huh. they might not actually be flat earthers who think everything revolves around the earth, but they they are they're people who believe that they are just infinitely more, you know, noteworthy and valuable than uh-huh. they are, that they're, that they have the one right thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So Claire, I, I'm while you're still, while you're still in this thought process, I kind of want to, to sort of, uh, transition into our next question while you're still in this thought process, what was your favorite moment of the show? <laughs> I still, my, don't think one, about it too much. I'm not, I'm not thinking about it at all. I, <laughs> my, my favorite moment in the show is absolutely still the bee hive mm. corpse and that mm-hmm. discovery and our introduction to Amanda Plummer's character. I just, it, 
everything about that is delightful. And yeah, just, it feels like whimsical. It is. Yeah. yeah it's whimsical. <laughs> and yeah, it totally anyway. is Hannibal at like the show Hannibal at its most whimsical. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So we're in this question now, and I really, really don't want y'all spending too much time thinking about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just sort of popcorn and it's going to be your time to shine. All right. Let's go. Phil, favorite moment of the show. Um, favorite moment in the show. Uh -huh. I think, uh, I, I think it's the fight between, uh, Hannibal and Jack in the torture museum. It's probably mm -hmm. my favorite moment. It's such an Solid amazing choice. payoff. Super cathartic. Super so cathartic. cathartic. Like yeah. one of the most cathartic moments of the entire show, I think. Yes. Uh, it's remarkable. Okay, beautiful. And Julian. I mean, it, it has to be the uh, the memory palace conversation between uh, between Hannibal and Will, uh, which I believe is sort of the end of season two, beginning of season three. And they, they go back and forth a, a couple times. Um, the whole way that they're exploring this notion of memory and identity and what it means to dismantle yourself and rebuild yourself once again. Um, I mean, there are so many great lines throughout, but, but that sequence, I, I'm, I'm so, you know, the thing is going back and watching episodes again and again, like everyone was saying before, there's such a strong sense of like, wow, it's almost like I'm seeing this for the first time because there are so many layers that, you, that will suck your attention in and, and set you off on your own sort of thought process and feeling process. But that scene where they're talking about the memory palace um, and everything that it prefigures in terms of what happens next in Europe is indelibly just burnt into my soul. I can, I can see those images. Whereas going back and watching episodes, like, oh shit, I don't remember this. This is fucking great. That scene, <laughs> I, know, I know everything that happens in that scene. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right, Lisa. Did you go already? Um, I no, I I'm a I'm a glutton for heartbreak. Like I'm no. I I can't I can't get, get enough clear. of it. Like I love to feast on it and feel it in my body. So I mean, it's probably obvious, but um, season two finale, um, the stab and the ensuing conversation after Will is literally gutted, um, and like that whole interaction between them in that moment, mm -hmm. I. I die <laughs> and am resurrected yeah. every time I see it. Love it. All right, Justin, did you get cleared? Sort of, but not exactly. Okay. Oh, you might be you might be preparing to clear me then. Okay, go. I, I, specifically in the moment that Lisa just described in that same scene, mm. it is for me. It all comes down to Abigail and to. Yeah. Will realizing that Abigail is alive and then Hannibal with all the butthurt anyone has ever had <laughs> oh. cutting Anna, uh, Anna, uh, Abigail's throat just fucking <sighs> rips my heart out every time, yep. you know, because, you know, it's, there's nothing worse than wanting something so badly and misjudging the situation and, dropping the ball as a result of your poor judgment you know mm -hmm. and that's what will is feeling and i just mm -hmm. i i feel like i've been there and it just fucking ah it's so powerful like my heart is full and breaking just talking about it oh yeah right yeah now so 
My favorite moment is along all of those same lines. And it is when Hannibal smells Freddie Lowndes on Will. Mm. And we see on his face that very first moment that he realizes, oh my God. I think I that's what Julian was going to say when he said, talked mm-hmm. about that conversation with the memory yeah. palace. I think yeah. it's right around that same thing. Yes. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that moment, the way mm. everything about it, the mm. Mads' face, the mm-hmm. way that he approaches the, the performance in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first time, you know, I talk a lot about one of my favorite parts of the show is, um, you know, Han- like Julian had mentioned at the beginning, Hannibal kind of becomes this like, between sub and super human. Um, But as we've discussed at length on this show, you don't get to just decide you're not a human being Mm -hmm. and you don't get a way out of Mm -hmm. feeling and of being Mm -hmm. vulnerable. And I think that that's the first moment that I was just like, this show is fucking genius because he is doing everything he can to not have something like this happen and it came for him anyway, despite all of his efforts. Mm-hmm. See, I, I just spent that, that I identify this- with that very much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. And I mean, like, it's funny because I've this past week, I mean, I've just been having some anxiety stuff come up just because I've been stressed and it's it's playing out in my body in all kinds of interesting ways. Um, (laughs) But it's funny because when, you know, you're in the heat of these feelings, it's Mm. like, why can't I escape? I need to escape this feeling, you know? And it's like, but I can't, I'm, I'm stuck with it. Like I have to process it through my body. There's no getting out of it. Just like you're saying. And I think that that is a huge headline for what we walk away with from a show like Hannibal, which is like, if you want to feel all of the beauty and the saturation and the sexiness and the yumminess and the pleasure of being a human, you got to pay the bill mm-hmm. and all everybody has mm-hmm. to pay the bill. Even yeah. Hannibal. Oh yeah. Woo. Does he pay the bill? Okay. So I just spent that entire discussion after i spoke first going doing the whole i love lucy restaurant scene of just oh no 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 that's yeah that's my favorite scene no 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 that was my favorite scene and we haven't even covered like think of how much stuff we haven't even covered in that discussion i mean i know i know because i'm like oh you asked me to just pick one well that's my one but it's like there's like there's so yeah. much stuff that happened in Italy that I loved. There's so oh my much God. stuff I that mean, happened. We like, could have an entire is maybe podcast. one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. <laughs> well, that was my one, gut reaction. And I'm like, that's yeah, and that's, that's what I'm looking for. That was for. my gut reaction, and I didn't yep. think it through. And like, yeah. so I waited my turn, and I only focused on that. But then, as soon as I stopped, I thought, mm-hmm. "Oh wait, but uh-huh. when they killed <laughs> what's her name, Beverly Katz's." Body when they discover Beverly Katz's body. Oh God! Yeah. What a fucking scene that is. Yeah. Oh just, my yeah. God! And how you they know. open it with just the blood dripping out of the plexiglass. Uh, well, mm-hmm. if we're gonna talk about favorite like supporting characters, that Beverly Katz yeah. is. Oh man. Is mine, beginning mm-hmm. to end. I I haven't I haven't been wrung out like a goddamn you know, uh, oh, a cloth in a in a sink for a while. And her the, we, my journey with her, you guys got to see that, and it was. Yeah. 
I, I feel I that we went through like, it. I was going to say, we were running out. out. I'm I was little... honestly worried about you, Phil, as we like entered into that episode. I was like, I hope Phil's going to be okay. I know. I, I'm feeling the verklempness coming on right now, just yeah. like thinking yeah. about it. So but it's... do you remember how off put Philip was? By mm-hmm. Beverly Cassidy, oh, yeah, first yeah. episode. Yeah, he made it so great. Yeah. He was There's like, like infamous Phil moments from Will. episode one <laughs> of Murder Husbands. Yeah, yeah. I think we need a yeah. super cut of Phil's journey with Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> because in the first episode, he was I like, mean, F this B. I felt it. I felt it all the way. I felt her character all the way, like this, in the uh-huh. same way that Will experienced her, which is uh-huh. hilarious. And I wonder me. how that plays out in your personal life, Phil. Wow, red no, or no Phil. reply necessary. <laughs> no, the, the reason that I bring this up, the reason I wanted to do free association favorite moments is because like it's impossible for this show to not become part of your own personal psyche yeah. for it yeah. to not bleed mm-hmm. into your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pun intended. Um, okay, favorite guest characters, Justin. Mm. You know, again, I tried to, I, I, I'm going with who I immediately thought of. Great. And so I haven't really thought about it, but I really love Abel Gideon. And I I, I really feel like that there's this whole thing with Abel Gideon where he's sort of this like, this like Ur Hannibal, this proto Hannibal, this Mm -hmm. like a Hannibal that has not yet shed its human skin fully, you know? And so there's that aspect of it, which I really dig. But then there's also... Like, as all this horrible shit is happening to Abel, how so matter of fact he is about it, mm-hmm. and how he is just like, like sanguine about you know, uh, about what's happening, about eating his own fucking leg, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, uh, I really dug Abel, and I love Eddie Izzard, so I was just like, oh man, yeah. this is just like on point. It's like he knows he knows Hannibal's motivations underneath the most gory, intense, horrific, torturous experience. And he only addresses those motivations by refusing to let him enjoy or or feel that he has power over him. So good. It's so good. And like. Oh, I had something cool to say and now I don't have it. Uh, Sorry. It's okay. No, it's okay. It'll come back to you. Yeah, I'll I'll keep thinking about it. But um, okay, Lisa, favorite guest. Um, you know who I wanted more of? (laughs) Georgia Madchen. Um, I really, really liked just the little tiny taste of her character that we got, like, not only in the Buffet Fouad episode, but in the um, you know, her infamous death episode like she was in like one or two scenes of that and I was like I want more of her like I want Mm. I want more of her story and I want more of like her kind of journey from here on out with Mm -hmm. what she's experienced and what she's done in this whole kind of like walking dead type life that she was living um I just really I found her character really fascinating which made her death that much more upsetting the first time I watched the show um, yeah. and on all the subsequent viewings of the show. But um, yeah, I really liked her a lot. Um, I love that. I'm going to go to Claire, but did you already say your favorite guest was Amanda Plummer? I mean, 
<laughs> she's yeah, she's definitely up there in like the top three. The other two that I'm sorry, I'm putting two in here and I feel like I'm taking advantage, but um, <laughs> no. I really can't make up my mind. Um, I, I, I have a guess as to who one of them is, and I'm just waiting to see if I'm right. I know. I, I'm, I'm there as well. Let's see if we're right. I just, for the, kind of the same reasons as Amanda Plummer, I really love Jeremy Davies. I knew it. Because, <laughs> because he's just this breath of just, yeah. And he's playing very Jeremy Davies. Like he's, this is not out of Jeremy Davies. Like, you know, that they went and they said, okay, we've got this character. Uh It is Jeremy Davies. Uh Like this is everything he's ever done. Um, But he's so, he feels so wise. Uh Like he does kind of carry off just like, there's this very, there's a simplicity to him and a wisdom that is amazing um but yeah richard armitage all day long awesome i mean it's it's the other character i think in this show other than hannibal that is was kind of a risk to take on because of like ray fines in that character is pretty like it's a it's a very distinct yeah it's pretty definitive and and it's it's difficult i just love the way richard armitage is so he's so he's missing there's something missing and he Mm -hmm. plays that so well like he's just he's he's wiping away certain human emotions just out of his entire like physicality and it Oh, I'm sorry. I just was thinking he's really about his good physicality. at like physically <laughs> communicate. <laughs> he's really good at physically communicating his internal trauma. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned so his physicality really, yet? Yeah, yeah. No, I just yeah. was thinking of all of his also little dragon exercises. He uses his body. Yes. <laughs> well, well and, there's and, that. And Mads yeah. Mickelson as well, I think. I think there's a lot to be said about the way well, we need to do, I don't even know, a ladies' night murder husbands where we just do a nice deep dive into all of his outfits sexiest that, moments go the way that his shirt hangs on his body um youtube videos sexiest moment dancing go. i mean I, I i could i could easily be a part of that yeah, conversation i think that the Thank guys can take part in the guys can totally, totally take ladies night. yeah well yeah. there there is the yoga in the underwear Oh, I mean, with the dragon tattoo. I mean, it's pretty oh badass. God, yeah, Richard, yeah. yeah, we've spoken at length about the yoga and the um, <laughs> the yoga moves and the choice of moves mm-hmm. and the choice of outfit um, <laughs> or and also thereof. the perspiration. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Also, the candlelight. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like um, you have okay. it covered. <laughs> Staying on point, Julian. Yeah. Favorite guest. Well, I, I just wanted to echo that, that the Richard Armitage um, portrayal and the Mads Mikkelsen portrayal, in both cases, mm-hmm. I have the uncanny feeling that even though I'm seeing two different actors in each role, um, it's the same character. And that that is really difficult to pull off and they both do it extraordinarily well. And so I'll go with Mason Varger. With Michael Pitt? Oh yeah, no, well, the guy with the face guy with the face i mean he's played by two two actors and they both do an, an extraordinary job the reason yeah. i'm choosing him i think michael pitt is is one of the best actors of the generation but mm. the reason i'm choosing him is because he is absolute evil incarnate yeah 
in a show that is about an incredibly evil character that we are, oh. that that has all these layers and dimensions and we have a very uh, um, ambivalent relationship towards. And in a way that, that I feel like the show kind of is his seduction of us into, into his world. It sort of it explains to me some of that saturation we were talking about earlier. But yeah, I, I, I think the, the pure evil and spite of uh, Mason Barger is, is pretty, pretty fantastic. I, I don't remember the name of the second actor who took over. Hmm. Yeah. Not Michael Pitt. <laughs> not my, not, yeah, the not Michael That's Pitt. That's just all not I know him as. He's very, very good. We'll find him. He's in there somewhere. Um, my favorite guest is probably a little bit of an- Joe Anderson. The nose guest. Frank Stewart. <laughs> no, not Frank Stewart. Stewart. Joe Anderson was his name. Um, I mean, I of course, Scott Thompson forever and all time because I'm a diehard Kids of the Hall fan. Um, but no, I'm going with um, Nina Arianda. Wow. To show up at the end of a show that is so beloved as a character that could have been so fucking boring. Mm -hmm. It's the storyline that could have thrown me off of the entire- Totally. Like They really, really, really had to sell it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And wow, she arrived and instantly you're just like, I love you. Yeah. You're amazing. You're a badass. We could watch the escape scene forever, mm-hmm. forever. The the feminism wrapped into her character. Could we talk? You know, and when we're talking about strong female characters, blah blah blah. You know, we can talk about that with her. But more impactful for me is that they did give us this, just like very like thrown into the mix, just at the last moment. Like, here's a wife for Will, and yeah, you know, that exactly. would be that would normally be such a just like a written off character. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh god, you really? know. Once again, the 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 wife character gets this, you know, shrifted storyline. But she's mm-hmm. the writers. She and and her in her performance and the directing. Oh, it was all about making her very specific in mm-hmm. her, what she brought to Will 100%. in that relationship with like three minutes of screen time. It was, yeah. yeah. Cause let's not forget she's she's guy that he loves and cares about her. Yeah. She has to be the other woman. She has to be well, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Will away from Hannibal, you know? Yeah. And, that's yeah. what I was just going to say that it's like on top of all the other stuff on top of like her timing of like in the series when she's coming yeah. in, but in the story, when she's coming in mm-hmm. where it's like, we're still like, you know, this entire show, we're just like Hannah Graham all the way. Forever. Right? And here, she, here's this woman who is, yes, mm-hmm. like Justin just said, the other woman. And like, mm-hmm. so normally we would be primed to be like, who's this? <laughs> um, but no, it's like, she's great. And we love her like instantly. Mm-hmm. And we know that like, she shouldn't be here, girl. Yes. Like Molly, you in danger, girl. Get out. Run. Get out of there. Can I just say? I love it. Yeah. Like I sort of regret that I didn't say this character. (laughs) Sort of. And I really regret that nobody said this character. Uh oh. Because I think think I'm gonna get ready to say though, but I was expecting you to say this character, so I felt that we were covered. I I have a guest character. But I sort of thought you were gonna say this character too, Claire. I think. (laughs) 
Okay, assuming, who is it? Hey, who? Assuming that we're both talking about Frederick Chilton. Oh, <laughs> I don't count Frederick as a guest. Yeah, I don't count him yeah. as a guest. He's a but you uh, count Scott, somebody count as, Scott Thompson as a guest. He's the supporting. I, no, I, uh, I just no. wanted to plug supporting. him in the hall. He's yeah. not a guest. Those are oh. definitely main cast members. Yeah, those we are, all yeah. love okay. Chilton. Yeah. yeah because if there's somebody he's... on this podcast right now that's got a problem with Frederick Chilton, we can chat offline. <laughs> I'll catch you outside. I'll catch you outside. When when Lisa mentioned Georgia Mansion, Mansion, I also immediately thought I really would have liked to see more Miriam Lass on this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I totally like based on what we talked about last episode, where like you know this this concept of like possibly um, Clarice Starling and Miriam Lass was such a Clarice Starling stand-in. Totally. I wonder if she would have had a bigger part in season four i would have been here for that Ooh, that's my hope Mm -hmm. i would have been here for that that would have been a great way to put some put some shine on another science the lambs adaptation now i was expecting justin to talk about um the uh musician guy tobias budge yes the james is that the black serial killer yeah yeah and then it's only because of him being black no i'm just kidding Um, that's not why um i because that's i i remember you talking about him justin i remember like i in this watch i was like you know i wish if we could have had another you know like richard armitage kind of story arc where you had one bad guy quote unquote like have a longer story arc in the show it would have been that character i think he got it would have been really I, I was thinking about tobias budge too but i think he got the amount of screen time that character needed yeah. to 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 take us on the story to like to take the story to kind of a, a new level and a new direction that mm-hmm. where we saw the series going oh, like yeah. i he was actually my second choice under beverly as a guest Tobias Budge is probably my favorite like one episode guest as a guest my second choice after george imagine was franklin so Franklin. I will say if Beverly Katz <laughs> counts as a guest because she was a member of the main. No, she's. Main I think she she's was, supporting. Yeah. I was saying supporting Beverly Katz. No, but she, she yeah. was, Beverly, no, she was in the main <laughs> cat in the opening in the opening sequence. Okay, gotcha. Between um, mm-hmm. Alana Bloom and Jack, between Lawrence uh, Fishburne and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Carolyn Dallas, KTM Park was there. Yeah. Yes, there we go. Yeah. And yeah, right. she she was a main cast. That's cool. But, I imagine. Um, <laughs> I love it. Listen, we could do it all day, and eventually, yeah. we we wouldn't end until we've literally named everybody that's ever every character. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody was phenomenal. Every guest, all supporting, all recurring. Don't even get me started on the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do need to go to a break. <laughs> uh, so let's do that. We've got a super juicy. Um, question and bit of fancy whimsical insight for you when we come back so don't leave this may be the end but you want to stay to the end see you in a bit (laughs) this episode of the popsicle podcast is brought to you this month by hunterblackcomics.com Hunter Black is the best damn hard-boiled fantasy webcomic on the internet. Just ask series creators Justin Penniston and William Orr. If Tarantino, Tolkien, and Tartakovsky made a webcomic, 
It might be half the two-fisted tale of blood-soaked revenge that Hunter Black is. Maybe. There's a new page every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it's absolutely free. So what are you waiting for? HunterBlackComics.com, because you need a comic that'll kick your ass. Bravo. That, that was sounded, feeling. That sounded really good. I mean, okay. I'm happy with that. Me too. If, if Justin isn't, then he can fuck himself. I hope you send him that in the recording <laughs> of that ad. I'm going to. I'm going to. I, I, I think so. I think so. Hey, Fanables, it's your intrepid producer, Philip Kelly. Uh, if you've enjoyed Murder Husbands, you should know that in the next two weeks, we'll be tackling season four of Stranger Things with our ongoing series, That Episode Was, in which we discuss episodes of television while they're being released. But also, in our new retrospective series, we'll be tackling David Lynch and Mark Frost's surreal murder mystery, Twin Peaks, with our podcast series, That Gum You Like. We'll be discussing everything can and the only way Popsicle knows how, by being awesome. You can expect episodes to begin airing in June. The best way to keep up with all the popsicle goings on is to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you collect podcasts. Follow us at PopsiclePod on all social media platforms or sign up for our newsletter at PopsiclePod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcast and related info. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. So we're back and um, already we've spoken about so much and we're going to continue to do that. So in preparation for this recording, I reached out to my very dear friend and fan of the podcast. Her name is Caitlin Tice. Uh, Caitlin is a tremendous Shakespeare scholar and artistic director um, because she's insanely busy. She couldn't be here to discuss with us live, but she shared the following and I would really love to read it and dive in with everyone. She shared in episode 13 of season three, Will says, I'm not fortune's fool, I'm yours. This is a reference of course to Romeo and Juliet, act three, scene one, just after Romeo has killed Tybalt, Juliet's cousin, for those of you that have never read Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> in retaliation for Tybalt murdering his best, best friend, Mercutio. Oh, I'm fortune's fool, he exclaims. Fate is a huge theme in Romeo and Juliet with the young lovers thinking that everything they do is because of destiny. Romeo specifically thinks he's the victim of bad luck. In act one, scene three, Romeo is already feeling plagued by fate, deciding whether or not to go to the Capulet party. He says, my mind misgives, some consequence yet hanging in the stars. When Mercutio dies, Romeo himself foreshadows the outcome. This day's black fate on more days doth depend. This but begins the woe, others must end. The others upon whom fate later falls, of course, are Romeo and Juliet. I'm not fortune's fool, I'm yours. Will states in this episode that it is not destiny or fate guiding his life, but it's Hannibal. Will's empathy is weaponized against him by Hannibal. So if Will is Romeo, two men guided completely by emotion, as we've spoken about many times, who is Hannibal? Is it so obvious that he's Juliet and he and Will are star-crossed lovers or is Hannibal more omniscient than that? Is he more of a puppet master who really does guide Will's life? 
first of I, all, oh, go on. <laughs> I just have to say that there are a lot of fanables out there who may listen to this podcast and are saying, you did not just put Romeo and Juliet into my handogram. Because <laughs> that is, it's amazing that we can make this association. Do you know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that's like, and I think you have to really get the show to make this association. You have to know that it's about love as much as it is about death. And I have more to say, but now I'm going to yield the floor once more to Lisa, who is starting to speak. So, oh, I, yeah. So I, I want it because as you were reading through this, I was thinking about, you know, Will saying, I'm not fortune's fool. I'm yours. It's like he wants to remove responsibility for his own choices and actions uh-huh. from himself. And he wants yeah. to lay them on Hannibal. So this idea that Hannibal, um, like at the end of the question, says is Hannibal a puppet master who guides Will's life mm-hmm. he's not making like Will's not doing stuff like he's not an automaton <laughs> yeah he's not yeah. being directly controlled by Hannibal he is in the end making his own choices mm-hmm. and doing his own things he just doesn't want to take responsibility for those because Mm. they are uncomfortable to him as an emotional person and as an empathetic person it's Mm. too uncomfortable for him to take full responsibility for the things that he's done um which is another parallel with romeo because romeo i'm pretty sure is 14 fucking years old and was (laughs) taking responsibility for his freaking actions (laughs) But no, yeah. I hear you. I really no, hear and so you. It's, but it's like, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I love this. I love this correlation so much. I was so excited to hear about like the kind of Shakespearean elements of yeah. Hannibal. And this is so beautifully applied mm-hmm. um, in this Romeo and Juliet comparison. Um, I think that they are absolutely star-crossed lovers because 100%. they are absolutely living in a world where like it is not, their love is not supported. <laughs> Yes. And it will not be. It Mm -hmm. will not be. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. And, but as far as like Hannibal representing Juliet, I, I don't, I have to, I want, I want to think on that one. Think on it. Think on it. I think it's interesting too, because Will, you know, we, Will goes through quite a revolution from the first season to the final season, of course. Um, and when I think of like, Will, you know, he's acting of his own volition and doesn't want to take responsibility. But then I think to myself, how much responsibility could he take in season one when he's being manipulated to that degree? Well, not to say that that correlates with Romeo and Juliet. Maybe it does. I mean, they're under the influence of all kinds of outside factors and crazy people Mm -hmm. also falling in in love like that makes you insane. Yeah, so, and Will is largely still the innocent in sure. a lot of season one. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't really done anything. He's mm-hmm. accused of doing a bunch of mm-hmm. things by the end, but he hasn't actually done those things. He just yeah. has been made to believe that he maybe has. Um, and even by the end, he's like, you know, I would have believed it if he had just pinned Abigail on me, mm-hmm. but by pinning Georgia and everything else on me, that's how I know it's, not me yeah. um 
I kind of want to rush to Will's defense a little bit, though, because he is he is being, you know, hypnotized and and made sick. And, you know, he's in a he's, he's in a complete delirium. He's being convinced that he has lost time and he may, you know, be doing psychotic things and murderous things and not remembering them. Mm. So it, to, to me, like the it's not so much that Hannibal Hannibal is Juliet more so in this in this analogy, I would go to how human beings uh construct this idea of fate as a way of explaining why things happen and why we get captivated by certain um, certain drives that can make us lose all sense of reason and yeah. can make us rush headlong into into like you know poorly thought out actions followed following our passions and our uh, maybe our rage and our jealousy etc um, but I think I think it's a really really interesting uh, interesting choice of, of quote and, and analysis yeah the, the idea was so of, excited to share it and she was like i've been sitting on this for so long <laughs> so excited to be able to share it. um and i was reading it and i was wasn't expecting it i wasn't expecting it to be romeo and juliet and then i was and, like oh and let me say too it, it brings me back to to hannibal's fate and circumstance have returned us to this moment when the teacup shatters there's a way in which his trauma his profound shattering trauma makes him want to have complete control over everything and want to push everyone past this limit that is, is not sort of yes. sane for human beings to go past all of our destinies flying and swimming in blood and emptiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like he's saying, this is inevitably how everything is. I am fate. I am, I am God. Mm-hmm. I am the one who can gain control over all of this within my own life and within everyone else's life. And so in that way, he's Juliet because Juliet represents becoming captivated by the sense of this is destiny that we should be together, even if it means that we kill ourselves, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is the effect very much that Hannibal has on not just Will, but kind of everyone around him. Mm -hmm. This sort of like, I'm totally forgetting who I am in your presence. And I mean, that, yeah. we can say that happens yeah. in Romeo and Juliet. Well, yeah, sure. we talk about, I mean, I mean, we spend a lot of time in Murder Husbands talking about Hannibal's ability to transform everyone around him mm-hmm. um, just by being who he is. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, and thinking that, you know, he's not a part of it, that mm-hmm. he can stay the same. Yeah. Um, no one can change him, mm-hmm. but they absolutely false. did. False. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is patently yeah. false. Mm-hmm. Like Hannibal totally. was changed and transformed throughout the course of this show too. Yeah. So he's totally. not, he's, I, that's why I'm like, I, I understand why it's like, oh, he's the puppet master. He's God, but he's not, he likes to think that he's he is. Both. Well, well, I think, I think, I mean, a, a more apt comparison for me to break away from the Romeo and Juliet thing would be more like, uh, an Oberon from Midsummer or a Prospero from Tempest. Someone mm. who thinks they have their hands on the steering wheel, but eventually that's sort of like shattered. That sort of delusion of I have great power and control over everything and all the rules are mine by the yeah. end is, you know, shaken and, and they have to come back around and ultimately learn something. Totally. And the bill. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Uh, yeah. Claire, you were, you were starting to say something and I cut you off. Um, yes. And I'm very hurt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I hope you were getting ready to say that, that what Phil said makes Will Hamlet because wow, <laughs> what a sad sack that makes a lot of bad fucking choices. 
there, there, there's a lot to be said there. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> honestly, how we've he we've had this whole series, murder husbands, and not had a serious discussion about Titus Andronicus, <laughs> which that was, you know, Anthony Hopkins was eating people before <laughs> there was. Claire animal. just dropped the mic. Yeah, I know. That's that's, that's the Shakespeare one. to go to. No, I don't. I I love the. The idea of fate versus choice, I think, mm-hmm. is is central every single time. It is in every single moment of this show. Um, I think the, I think saying, telling ourselves that we have no choice is the first thing we do to soothe ourselves in those moments of feeling true, like regret and and, and when we're engaging in things that we know are wrong, um, and that's will struggle through the whole mm. story. Um, and it's just, it helps highlight, and, and, you know, they directly address it in season three, especially with Bedelia and, you know, Hannibal telling her that her, her sitting and just watching it, that's a choice in and mm-hmm. of itself. Yeah. And that reminder that every single human being is in every single moment, we have a choice. You know, we, we may not be in control of all things, mm-hmm. but we're always able to make a choice. Totally. Um, it just, yeah. I love it. Justin, do you want to weigh in on this? Well, I think to sort of springboard on the last thing that Claire was saying mm-hmm. about, you know, we may not be in control, but we have a choice. Yeah. And so I, I'm just thinking about this whole, you know, metaphor, this analogy. Um, and I dig, I'm right on point with Will being Romeo. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like Hannibal is the stars mm-hmm. in that Hannibal is, he is manipulating Will, but Will still has a choice as Romeo did. Mm-hmm. Romeo could have chosen other than he did hard as that would have been as a, you know, hormonal 14 year old, but you know, I mean, there it is. There are choices to be made. It's a but short story. It's a very Han- short story in that case. Yeah. <laughs> But Hannibal is, you know, the one, he is manipulating the world that swirls around Will. Yeah. And that means that Juliet is not Hannibal per se, Mm. but in this metaphor, and I don't really love this because it sort of takes agency away from the Juliet character, which I don't mean to do, but Juliet is life with Hannibal. Juliet is murder. Juliet is the things that are tempting Will away, Romeo away from the life he quote unquote should have been living. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And so it's sort of like in a way, in its way, Hannibal is both Juliet and the stars, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I think it's life with Hannibal and it's Will's imagined life with Hannibal more than that. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's not really what Hannibal necessarily offers because you really don't know what Hannibal has to offer, you know? Yeah. Keeps you on um, your toes. That's for sure. I think that might be that on that. 
Oh, one, one, <laughs> one last thing. What, oh, sorry. What, Go ahead, what Juliet. Light, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east and Juliet is the sun, right? It's true. Mm -hmm. It's really true. Mm -hmm. What flashing Here light through yonder office? <laughs> <laughs> Across which the clouds and the sunlight are moving very quickly. It is the Wendigo. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, we all I want get a Shakespeare to... version can I, can I... of oh. Hannibal now. Go ahead. Can I just add one really quick, or, or just a thought, and I'm not sure where this sure. thought exactly going to no, go, because I, I think one of the big tragedies about Romeo and Juliet isn't so much the fact that, you know, there's two lovers that kill themselves. It's, it's that there is um, a set of circumstances built into who they are that won't allow them to be together to begin with, right? It's the, right. the, the tragedy is that you have these these families that are fighting that can't see beyond their hatred towards each other. The Jets mm -hmm. and the Sharks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the, the Capulets and the um, Montagues. Montagues. Yeah. Huh. And, and I mean, and so in this situation, that becomes a very difficult prospect uh, when thinking about kind of Hannibal. At what point in time would Hannibal's, who he is, be okay to exist in our society like at, at what point like you, you can't really think of a point i can't really think of a point like at least in well, the way we're constructed now yeah i was um, about to say not in the modern world maybe right. you know mm -hmm. 700 years ago yeah yeah i and angus khan i mean you, you go back to maybe the beginnings of hannibal before he became anything like what was so for if we're seeing hannibal and will as the romeo and juliet just to go back to the original sort of idea mm. what forces transpired to put them into this make them who they were mm. so that they couldn't be together what forces transpired to change hannibal into who he is and then what forces made will become this jittery little nutbag of a you know of a person twitchy little man twitchy yeah. little man which yeah yeah twitchy little which, man uh, <laughs> you know although I, i'm i'm here for jittery little nutbag though I'm yeah. Not, that, I'm, yeah that's a good one i <laughs> think that that is the question at the center yeah, yeah. like what 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 yeah what's your them trauma to be, what for what traumas forced them to become who they are so that yes. they could never be together and the but this is this is the seductive Oh, go ahead, Claire. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and maybe it's the terrifying idea that there wasn't a trauma that created Hannibal. That, that could be true. Uh -huh. um, though though just... we're led to believe, though, that there is something mm -hmm. that happened yeah. uh, with his sister and oh, yes. with, with these elements yeah. that kind of molded him to some degree. Like maybe he wouldn't have become a cannibal. Like maybe there's something else very wrong with him. Who knows? But I mean, that, that idea that... Uh, something shaped these two like if you took away hannibal's cannibalism and, and who he was molded to kind of be perhaps and will who he was kind of molded to be by these other forces we don't fully know like would they have fallen in love no problem like so what, what you're of, saying is if they weren't murderers yes exactly would that yeah. would their love be okay yeah would their love still exist even in this case which is also interesting another, to ask another short story yeah i mean it illustrates yeah. but it illustrates the seductive nature of mm. whackness yeah mm -hmm. because mm. we're sort of prettying mm. up the fact that because they're in love and they're being held apart by things that have been done to them that turns them into murderers they're murderers that's yeah. why it's not okay yeah exactly <laughs> exactly right. yeah sure <laughs> Sure. And uh, like, 
totally. You know, it, it's not, there's a little bit, there is, it's important as viewers who, who are drawn in by this and who want mm-hmm. Will, I mean, we want Will yeah. and Hannibal to be together. We all do. Of course we do. We do. Of course we do. Well, yeah. You know, and yet being together means that more exquisite corpse arrive, <laughs> yeah. corpses yeah. arrive. Yeah. There Absolutely. we go. Perfect segue. So those Perfect. two, Segue. Those two do not get to be together. Sorry, no, you know, no, they set it up perfectly. No, and don't. now, in retrospect, I'm super bummed that we did not name this podcast "The Seductiveness of Wackness." I know, because <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, so I had I had put together a completely different question for this, but instead, I'm going to ask a different question. Since obviously we're not dealing with an episode, there isn't an exquisite corpse. Um. If you had to choose any exquisite corpse to be, how Ooh. would you want to die? Ooh. Wow. I know my answer, so I'll go first. I want to be the man who's built into the tree. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, nice. That's lovely. Like yeah. All the flowers. That's a yeah. nice burial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Change all right, Justin. Up on me a little bit. Because, well, uh, you, put, you want you want more time? No, maybe I do because you the, the on paper it says what was your favorite murder tableau and why and I have an answer yeah. to that. Okay, and that, that was to go back not to how you want to die. No, 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 no. I don't want to be found. <laughs> I don't want to be found the way Beverly was found. No. First of all, it would take oh, no. a whole lot of those glass panels. A whole lot. Right? <laughs> a lot of glass panels. Can we come all. back to the logistics <laughs> of this show? Sure, right? But also, oh, wow. there's, there's, you don't really see it in the show, but half of her is naked, and I'm yeah. not prepared for, you know, my... <laughs> I'm not prepared for my, you know, drinking cherries. To be okay. cross-sectioned like that. I just so, not before we get too far into that. <laughs> so I have to think about this. <laughs> um <laughs> just tell us which one you want to be. Oh my god. <laughs> um my gut says I kind of would like to be at the top of that big ass totem pole. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's I feel like there's something, you know, kind of cool about that. Yeah, you know. Like I really don't dig the idea of being folded in half like that poor bastard was, but <laughs> it's still, you know, there's a certain, I don't know. Yeah, kind of quality I like to that. it that I like. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Lisa. Um, I'm gonna go with what I was gonna say about my favorite exquisite corpse anyway, because then okay. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Human cello. Um, I really loved the human cello and it's like the fact that you can use me as an instrument to make beautiful music. <laughs> yes. I think I already like, know. Sure. You can use my body for that. There was Why something not? kind of seductive time. about that answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can use me to make beautiful music. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Lay it out. Someone's going to play Stairway to Heaven on Lisa's <laughs> vocal cords. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Claire, um, is it well, what we all think it is? No, I don't think it is actually. And then I'm. You don't want a head full of bees. I don't want a head full of bees. I, although I love that would be my favorite exquisite corpse probably. Okay. Yeah. Just for the sheer, like, gorgeousness of it, whimsy. But if I were going to actually die the way these people died, I guess and the way I would be displayed. I think I would choose the muralist Mm. because cross my fingers. 
he would inject me with drugs and I would not feel anything after that. Mm -hmm. I would just be gone and not live the actual story that the guy mm -hmm. who escapes like that. I don't want mm -hmm. that. I don't want to survive that. <laughs> well, don't anyone... ever in your life take methadone and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so then, and then I think it would be comforting. It feels comforting to me mm -hmm. to be in like spooning yeah and other people in the afterlife like just it, i wouldn't i wouldn't be like that right i'm not alone there are other people there and uh -huh. that's what i would probably pick i love it julian How the dinosaur like the dinosaur the saber-toothed whatever that yes. was yeah, which is the the Ooh. one tableau that that will did right yeah yes. during that whole Dude, sort he of did two Oh, did he, he did do two? What's the other he one? Did Mothman, yeah. Mothman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, that's um, right. Mothman is Castle. pretty amazing too. That is yeah. that is really stunning. But yeah, there's something about that tiger and 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 that guy who wanted to be that getting memorialized as that is is very profound. I'm just noticing as we're talking about all of this, there is such a there is such an iconographic ritualized kind of vibe to to these works of art right and in the mm -hmm. way we're talking about them something feels sacrilegious do you do, do you feel that, <laughs> right? that it's like we're, we're taking these images and we're saying oh yeah let's let's play with them let's let's yeah. let's be a little bit jokey and, and whimsical and and yeah it's 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 a fascinating thing to observe <laughs> yeah 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 i hear that <laughs> well I, I was split in two in both instances i've been cleared uh literally like my 14 year old would want to be turned into a dinosaur in a natural history museum so yeah. julian just cleared me and and the other <laughs> my myself who would like a calmer way to go uh would be the tree because I, mm -hmm. I would like my ashes to be sprinkled on under a tree or something anyway to be a mm -hmm. part of something so uh those yeah. were the two or or in a piece of art like sprinkle my ashes and make like a, a, a mural paint. or something like paint me yeah. onto a mural would be kind of cool, but that's different. That wasn't in this show. So I can't say that. Oh, As we all second guess ourselves, how many are thinking about the heart in the chapel? Oh. Anyone? No, I, Just me. I, thought of the I don't, I don't want to come back as a, a, a man, the, the sludge, walking heart, walking the, heart that, thing. Like crazy stag thing. Yeah, yeah I would, I would so rather not. Cool. <laughs> I'm good on not being folded into a heart that gets up and walks away. <laughs> Whoa, that was a trip. It was. Although I will say if I, one of the ways that would have been a fascinating kind of maybe way to go because it would be so instant was, uh, uh, what's his name? Saglia, Saglia Tori. The guy oh. who gets the ice pick to the temple. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You got even absolutely know. approximately zero seconds to even think about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and then you're like, nothing. And you're like, hey. Yeah, and you're like, this is funny. Super yeah. weird. <laughs> and then you yank it out and you're finished. And then you're That's gone. It. Just uh -huh. lights out. So with, with a yummy taste on your tongue. Exactly. Uh, that's true. Yes. The punch, punch remain. remain. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to, <laughs> um, again, we've, this is normally when we would offer recommendations. We love to offer recommendations in every single series that we do. Um, we've offered so many, but in our final minutes, uh, maybe we can offer um, any last pieces of art, music, film, or television that people who loved Hannibal might also like to use to soothe the pain 
of the show being over until we're blessed by the fates with season four. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, go ahead. Yeah, I would say Igmar Bergman's uh, Fanny and Alexander, which has become one of my favorite Christmas time watches, even though it leaves Christmas behind pretty quickly, especially if you watch like the, the miniseries version and goes, you meet the devil essentially in this series, the child meets the devil. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty spectacular. It's about life, death, family, what we are as people and, and humans and what we mean to each other, um, what good and evil is. It's, it's, I watch it every year now. It's remarkable. Watch Beautiful. it. I love it. Um, I'm going to recommend something I cannot believe I have not recommended in the entire time that we've been watching this show which is a movie called Murder by Numbers. Mm. It stars Michael Pitt alongside Ryan Gosling and they mm -hmm. have a very Hannibal Will relationship. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's movie. even at one point a drawing of their faces molded together. It's, it's good. It also wow. stars Sandra Bullock. Yep, Sandra Bullock. Um, it is, <laughs> it's pretty great. And I really cannot believe I never thought to recommend it before now, but yeah, definitely go watch it. It's amazing. Um, so we mentioned earlier in the podcast that, uh, you know, Hannibal, how it invites rewatching and mm. how you rewatch and you kind of boil it down to its layers and you really mm. like this. So many, there's so many things going on. You kind of want to take them all in maybe individually as you, you know, and it reminds me because I do listen to music this way. And there is this great show in KLOS um, by uh, Christian Hand where he takes a huge song and he plays each individual audio track for you from the song like you'll play just the bass line or just the drum Ooh. track or just the vocal and he does this for these incredibly classic songs like and, and everything from like you know alone by heart and hearing mm -hmm. freaking ann wilson's vocal from heart isolated is fucking spectacular oh my god um so my all-time favorite songs incredible. for sure yeah. to freaking you know, uh, beat it by Michael Jackson. And let me tell you, you haven't lived until you've gotten to listen to Eddie Van Halen's, you know, solo by itself mm -hmm. from beat it. And then finding out, which I found out in this, you know, podcast, basically, that, you know, the sound equipment caught fire when he did that solo. Ah! It's really cool, you know? And That's amazing. It's, so it's a really cool musical show. You can get, cool. they, they have the whole thing archived on SoundCloud, uh, you know, uh, soundcloud.com backslash the KLOS sessions. And it's really, really cool. So, you know, amazing. if you're a thoughtful viewer and listener, like I think many of us are, I think you'll really enjoy this. Yes. Which of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely are. Absolutely. If you made it to the end of this, yeah, you are. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Lisa. Oh, all right. Um, I will recommend something. I just finished watching this show. Well, I just finished watching the latest episode of this show last night. Um, so if you like something that's maybe not necessarily easy to watch, but is really, really beautiful to look at and live in an experience, try Euphoria. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Visually. 
Um, it is like, it's, it's got a lot of like these visual elements that are just like gobsmackingly beautiful. Mm -hmm. There are like some kind of fantastical moments, like in musical numbers and stuff. And, um, but you know, it's some, uh, it's, it's also got some like, uh, pretty grotesque shit Mm -hmm. going on in it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with that. (laughs) All right. Who's ready to go? Julian? Claire, I see you raising your hand. No, that's okay. Okay. Uh, I guess I have to say uh, watch Wings of Desire. If you haven't seen Wings of Desire, it's my absolute favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. It's so unique. Um, I, I first saw it when it was it was on the BBC, when the brief period that I lived in England with my parents. When I was 21 years old, I was up with jet lag and this black and white movie came on the television and I sat there just going, what is going on? This is so entrancing. It's so meditative. It's so beautiful. And you don't really know what's happening for the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of the movie. Um, and it, it's everything about working with the metaphor of, of a kind of supernatural world to really talk about what it means to be human in the way that we've been getting at here about, you know, paying the bill and embracing the shadow and the light and really embracing the vulnerability and, and what we don't have control over, but it's done in such a, such a unique and artistically beautiful poetic way. It's my favorite film. Amazing. And Claire. Um, I'm going to recommend a series that, um, is fairly new and that we, my husband and I just finished watching, um, with the Netflix series, Anatomy of a Scandal, starring Michelle Dockery and Rupert Friend and Sienna Miller. It is, it was really, really well done. Michelle Dockery is, is more and more just someone that I love watching everything she does. Mm. Um, she's so versatile. And if you think she's just, you know, kind of the one note Downton Abbey kind of character, you know, that that's her acting wheelhouse. You need to watch the show good behavior because she will completely blow your mind, but back to anatomy of a scandal. Um, it is a very complex look at a sexual, you know, scandal, sexual harassment, sexual assault um the show is very uh meticulous about giving you every single involved party's inner life and what what they're grappling with nobody in the show it nobody in the story is is without blame or um handling things you know just completely correctly um I, the show does some really interesting things with the way it presents people's emotions and reactions to things mm-hmm. um sienna miller who has not really been on my radar about a lot of things she is just stunning in this in this she her she plays the wife, you know, the, the, the stereotypical politician's wife who finds out that he's been a bad boy and it, she's just so, so great about how she grapples with the entire situation. Um, it's a really easy bingeable, you know, I think it's what six episodes or 
something like that. So it's very quick and easy to get, go through. I felt Mm. like I was in the middle of, um, witness for a prosecution. Um, the Hitchcock is a Hitchcock or somebody else, Mm -hmm. Um, which is no, it's not Hitchcock. It's one of my favorite movies. So I should know this answer, but I'm not coming up with things anyway. It made me feel like I was in that, but getting to spend much more time with the characters and get their whole like backstory and, and all of that stuff. It's really good. Billy Wilder. Thank you. Billy Billy Wilder. Wilder. Of course I have a whole set of Billy Wilder. (laughs) Anyway. Jeez, Claire. I know. Okay. Well, listen, y'all. That's all she wrote. Oh, it'll never be all for now. Yeah. I'm like, I think about it all the time where I'm like, listen, if we want to like do this again in the next like few years, we could have like an entire new series. Like that's what the show inspired. We totally could. And I'm, I will make a vow that if at any point I have (laughs) any connection to Mads Mikkelsen (laughs) or Hugh Dancy, I'm going to say, listen, you don't know this, but you actually owe us <laughs> an interview about yeah. Hannibal. So yeah. you let me know when that works best for you. Get over here. Get over here. Get <laughs> over here, you rascals. Anyway. Okay. So <clears throat> while this is currently our final episode murder husbands you never know when we'll be back with some more hannibal content (laughs) so follow along and check out our other podcasts i legitimately did not know that was written before i said what i said before i said that (laughs) um you can always help us by subscribing sharing and leaving a nice comment thank you so much to our special guest julian for joining us so many times and dropping so many beautiful wisdom bombs um, my pleasure yes and bon if you're listening to this thank you for listening through all these episodes yes. and oh being with us yes. taking this journey you, dear listeners we, this has really been a labor of love for us i mean yes. and so we really hope you appreciate it as much as we enjoyed making it And if you have listened all the way to this episode, let us know. We really want to know who you are. Yeah, please. Hit us up. Yeah. Please. Tell Um, us how you would like to die. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? What exquisite corpse would you like to die? On that note. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.